0: John Maxwell once said the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, and the leader adjusts the sails. How are you at adjusting your sails? Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk, and we'll speak with a man who I'm quite sure will be able to offer some help. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now. Now. Here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Patrick Freudinger, works as an executive coach and sparring partner for CIOs, helping executives and their teams to improve their leadership behavior. After more than 25 years in leadership positions, he recently wrote the book, The Phoenix Principle. It's based on personal interviews with more than 100 top executives I've been looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show, Patrick.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's a yes. pleasure and an honor. <laughs>
0: well, welcome aboard. And I and I want everyone to know, Patrick's staying up late for this one because we're speaking to him from Switzerland. And uh, it's a little bit later there because I'm starting a little bit later here. So he's got his, what are you drinking here? Coffee, tea? What do you got in front of you? It hot
1: coffee to keep me okay. awake
0: <laughs> He's having a 10 p.m coffee so already we should admire him yeah <laughs> you know i met you in 2013 i believe it was what mm-hmm. was um and you were still with valiant at the time uh, a beautiful city of Bern. I'll, I'll actually never forget that city absolutely beautiful um and you founded that in 2007 and then in 1998 you built a company um And and you were a managing partner. You worked on, from what I read, at least 80 projects. You then worked for AMAG Automobile. And you can tell us a little bit more about that. But in 2016, you were named top CIO in Switzerland for your work. I remember you sending me something about that. Uh, (laughs) Very impressive. So you got a lot going there, my friend. How would you describe your career? And I know I left some pieces out. But do it in two or three sentences for me so we can get people up to speed on you. Okay.
1: Well, now I'm kind of like 56, so my career is uh, spans like over a little bit over 30 years. and um, I started out as a researcher at the university, at the Institute of Marketing and uh, Strategic Leadership. And then i transformed into the role of a business consultant right out of the gate Uh, i founded a company with uh, with two colleagues um well just just for the fun of it and we 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 tried to be successful and we we managed that quite well but after 10 years we split up and uh, i started with another company that is called valiant that's the one where we we met together and um there was always this, 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 um, this crucial, um, this crucial uh, thing about selling, being able to, to sell your services, and that's why uh, we crossed our paths, huh? because you, uh, as I guess everyone that's listening to the podcast knows, you wrote one of a heck of a good sales book, one of the best I ever read with the customer centric selling. And uh, yeah, that's why we invited you to Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the success study uh, continued and um, I got the, uh, a wonderful opportunity with Amag. Amag is actually Volkswagen in Switzerland. They do all the financing, selling, repairing of all the Volkswagen car, huh? which uh, which is Audi, Seat, Skoda, Porsche, and uh, of course, Volkswagen itself. So it's roughly every, every, every third car in Switzerland is, is, is coming from Volkswagen. And then um, the the CEO then of of OMAG told me, hey, what about if you tried once to see if your PowerPoint slides that you craft so well actually work in practice? So (laughs) I took that chance and uh, yeah, (laughs) I tried it out and it worked quite well, which led to this uh, award uh, in 2016. So in, 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 in short terms, what I, I did during my career, I I always had the courage to, when I was successful, to try something else. Yep. That was kind of always the moment where I jumped into a new business venture. And I said, the, the thing that I'm doing, I'm doing it quite successful. So why not try something different?
0: Yeah, The true heart of an entrepreneur, uh, really. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why, you uh, You know, we, Patrick and I worked together eight years ago, and yet we've maintained this, uh, a friendship. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why we've maintained it is that, uh, well, one, we all, we both have a passion for selling, but I think we also have a passion for looking at things and trying to do it differently and trying Mm -hmm. to do it in a creative way and, and trying to say it a different way and work on it a different way. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, you, you've got into consulting. I want to talk about this book in a minute because that one surprised me a little bit. Yeah. All of a sudden, here comes COVID and it um, and it derails a lot of businesses. And I can tell you that for me as a professional speaker, remember, I do this full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had I had to move to virtual. I had to really kind of change and and rework what I was doing. Tell me about you. Tell me how. Uh, this COVID crisis has affected you.
1: Well, actually, COVID and, uh, and affected me in three ways. Um, first of all. Um, it was a super bad timing to start a new business. Uh, And and starting a business, which is called behavior based leadership coaching for executives. That was, I think the the, the baddest timing you can imagine because when you're in the middle of a pandemic, you're in the middle of a crisis, you have all kinds of things going on as a CEO, but not to get some improvement in your leadership style. Um, So that was tough. And um, also, when I, when I looked at my I, my uh, financial statement, I said, wow, <laughs> that was like I earned as little as 25 years ago. On the other hand, and that is, that is kind of like uh, another story, all the money I made all over these years uh, when I sold companies and everything, I always did uh, something. Um, which I would call is walk the talk. I was, as you know, uh, working as a CIO, which means I know a lot about tech stuff. And um, so I always invested all my money into tech stuff. So that actually kind of exploded my portfolio during COVID, which means at like 56, I always have kind of like my financial freedom. So um that that led to the third <laughs> to the third um, way that affected me, and that was writing the book. Huh? So I actually had the financial freedom to 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 start writing this book, and um, that was also something it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been possible without COVID because you imagine I I. I reached out to all these C-level from big uh, uh, international and Swiss companies to ask them for an interview that lasted at least sixty minutes, and a lot of them said yes. And I never met them before in my life, and we just met in the virtual space, which, which is at least in Switzerland, would be absolutely. Uh, uh, inimaginable that that you can meet uh, a sea level for the first time in in just a virtual space normally you, you would have to drive up there and um, yeah well meet them in person so that was that was kind of like fantastic and I wrote the book um, well during the during the time that I normally would visit my clients right
0: okay. so you used your time wisely uh, you know I want to throw a sales tech at sales tactic back at you just for the next time. Okay. And, (laughs) and that is, and it's, it's a wonderful um, little piece that somebody taught me. It may have been my dad, but it was a long time ago. I believe I was still selling life insurance. So I had to be in my early twenties, but I remember something bad was going on. And he said, uh, and I said, why would I walk in at that point? It's probably the worst time I could walk in. And, And the person said, just remember this phrase, just tell them. No matter what they say, that's why I'm here. So, mm-hmm. so if they say, yeah. well, but but business is really bad and, and we're really not doing much, well, that's why I'm here and yeah. sort of use that as a transition. And if he, he says, uh, if you walk into the next office and they say, we've got more business we know what to do with, well, that's why I'm here. And then off fantastic. It. Yeah. So <laughs> it is, I, I will tell you during the pandemic for me with um, a bunch of companies that budgets were cut and we're not really traveling. And the one thing we're not going to be doing is training. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why I wanted to have this conversation. And I actually use that a, a lot over the last year and a half. And it, it, you know, it's tried and true. I, I learned it, you know, 14 years ago and, uh, it still works nicely, but just, so factor that one out. That's, that's today's lesson from, uh, I should have tucked that one in eight years ago for you. <laughs> But all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's stay on that book now. All right. So I mentor a lot of authors and um, I, I, I liked your story about this book and this, this timing, because a lot of times when people ask me, gee, when do you know? And I say, you know, a book tends to find you. You mm-hmm. don't find the book. And, and that's what I think is sort of happened. So tell me about I know that you found the time to write the book. Mm-hmm. Give me in the in your gut, in your heart, why you wrote the book? Because uh, I know it's a leadership book. So tell me about that.
1: It's a leadership book, and um, the the longer uh, my career lasted, the the more I, I got this feeling that actually what differentiates. The, the very successful leaders and the mediocre leaders is their behavior. It's all about leadership behavior. It's not so much about knowledge. Knowledge you can acquire, you can learn, and it's kind of like a prerequisite. But um, when, when we had our first company, we were terrible leaders. I was just coming out of my military service i was a young lieutenant and uh, so i was kind of like yelling out the orders <laughs> at my young consultants <laughs> even uh, 25 years ago that that worked so so <laughs> so we had we had to improve and the more the more we improved the the better the the results got and the more we um uh, start to value people, to, to recognize them, to, 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 to give them awareness and um, um, to, 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 to say thank you, to preach them for the, the good things they do for you, uh, the more we were successful. And um, the bigger the company is, and that's the experience I made at Volkswagen, the more impact you have as a leader with your behavior so this 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 constant challenge to 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 find your personal leadership style which means kind of like to be authentic which means walk the talk uh, uh do as you preach s- s- things like that which which is quite hard on in 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 a day on a day to day basis so that that was kind of like uh, the 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 fascinating the fascinating point about that and i had a lot i have a lot of Colleagues and also friends with our mid 50s, and actually they are in a leadership position, but they don't like their job anymore because they find leadership is quite painful. You have this generational gap, uh, young people with completely different value systems. Um, So I had a lot of conversations with colleagues, and they told me, you know, if it wasn't for the money, I would just quit. More or less I hate what I do but I got an ex-wife, I got a girlfriend and I got two kids at university so I just need the money and that is a terrible situation to be in. So um, I wrote the book actually for those people and there is a story within the book from a guy which is called Jörg which actually um, it describes, it describes in the book that the situation he is in, that he's completely unhappy, everything gets out of balance. And then he's kind of like reinvent himself. That's why it's called the Phoenix principle. huh? Yeah. This Greek mythology bird that dies and then rises again. There's also a, a second reason. And the second reason is um, I screwed up my first book. My first book should be my PhD. Uh, I should have uh, gotten my thesis out um, a long time ago when I worked at university. And um, actually I had already 200 pages written and everything, but I had this idea in, in, in my head to start a, a company with, with, with two former colleagues then from university. And there was this strategic window of opportunity. I think I have to jump in there and I finished this thesis later. But that never happened. So, <laughs>
0: well, I, I, I like the first one better than the second one. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, okay. You know what? I, I I really what impressed me about your response, Patrick, is um, your attention to authenticity. I really think that uh, you know, since we met, it's something that I really take much more seriously now. I think that we work on. You know, a lot of times telling people what to say, we don't tell them how to say it. We don't, we don't really get into the authentic part. Even I and mean, I, you know, me, I'm the sales guy on this call, but even in selling, you know, one of the things that's very important to me is I don't want to get near selling till we actually allow people to understand how their individual style fits into all these behaviors, whether it's leadership or selling, or I don't care if you're an accountant, we all have our own style. And the further we move from that style, the less authentic we are. And the less successful we are. So I, I like the fact that you that that seemed to wake you up. It seemed to call you, call at you. So let's stay there a little bit. The book is called The Phoenix Principle. I have my copy right here. Okay. Uh great. <laughs> I'd love to tell you that I've read my copy, but you don't have an English version yet.
1: Yeah, so not yet. Okay. All right.
0: But uh, it's, it's my very, it's my favorite book I haven't read yet. But I got the author with me today, so I get to hear about it. So um, we got a hint from this one person who's sort of inspired. But but tell me, you know, in in a minute or, or two or less, get, this is your elevator pitch. Uh, what is exactly is the Phoenix principle?
1: The subtitle is it's um, the subtitle has to do something with excellence in leadership. So it's this this uh, this salt this idea in your head. To get better every day a little bit, to improve yourself, to have kind of like a gross mindset, and um, so that idea of of consistently growing and getting better that is applied to leadership. Okay. So um, it starts the, the 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 Phoenix principle is actually a, a model and the process when we start with the model. It's a model that consists of of, of ten elements. And um, five of those elements uh, describe the roles that you have as a leader, always with the objective to be as authentic as you can. So you have the the role of um, developing your employees. That's one role you have as a leader to to think about their uh, personal careers and to help them develop, find out their strengths, their superpowers and um, try to to, 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 to help them to move along. Then you have a a second role and the second role is all about uh, supporting supporting your teams. So this role, leader as a facilitator, where you help your teams achieve their, their goals, their objectives, um, mainly that you use your position to, to, to help them to move obstacles and uh, to facilitate the, the way for them. And then you have a, a, a third role as a leader and that's the, the, the role to, to align the organization to to different market settings or different uh, strategy settings. Sometimes you have to downsize. Some to sometimes you have to build up. You have to realign the organization. You have this uh, uh, all uh, this hype about agility. To be agile as an organization, that's that's this kind of role huh? right. to 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 make the to make the organization that it can in in a way that it can adapt easy to 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 change and the fourth role is the role as a visionary i mean looking uh, to the us you have some fantastic uh, visionaries huh thinking of elon musk thinking of uh, steve jobs and, and 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 those those super visionary people with a bold vision to to dance the universe to 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 yeah to make real difference and also on a small scale you have this you have to to fill out this role to to um to energize people, to to give them a reason to 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 um to come early in the morning to the office full of energy. And that's what you're doing when you're creating a, a vision that is appealing to your right. to employees. So we have those, you have those four roles and then you have this um, core competence of communication, huh? Those roles you lift them out by communicating. So you have to be a good communicator as a leader. So you can try to define that in in the way that you say, okay, how am I authentic in those four roles and how I'm authentic when I communicate? And if you see that there is a gap to where you want to be and where you are, then you have the five other elements which um, uh, consists of um, going inside your head and starting to reflect yourself. To look if there are if you have a belief system that limits you, if you have values that uh, um, that creates conflict, if you have an attitude problem. Uh, for some people, the the glass is always half empty, Right. and for other ones, it's always half full. So you have to challenge yourself, and also um, core experiences you made during your career that also has a big impact. And um, what I show with these elements is that you can actually reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. You have um, this method uh, from Anthony Robbins, which is, uh, I don't know, it's in English, it's called neural associative uh, conditioning, huh? something like that, where you can actually um, give you a new set of rules in your head. So you work in a different way, on a, a new operating system. And then, of course, um, when it changes your habits, that's the last element, your habits, then y- y- you live out your roles in a different way. So then you have a process, uh, like, the, like a little bit, <laughs> I'm a process guy, as, as, as you are, Rob. So there's a, a five-step process, how you reinvent yourself.
0: Okay. Now I'm going to want to hear about that process. And by the way, I was taking notes while you're talking, going, there better be a process here. I better, I better find a process out of this man. So I'm going to want to hear about that. I did want to just share with you that, you know, when I was, uh, 11 years old, my dad, uh, was our scout master and he was really one of the greatest leaders I ever. I ever saw him. But this little troop of seven boys became 120 boys within two years but we he actually made a patch and, and that we wore on our Boy Scout uniforms. I, I don't know how we did it I, I didn't think we were allowed to make our own patches but we did it went on our shoulder and it it uh, it said don't go on and do it come on let's do it and it was a, it was a shout out to a leadership principal that that he was in, in on 11, 12, 13 year old boys. And, um, uh, I remember being very, you know, seeing other people look at that patch and we lived that patch. Uh, and so everybody was in a sense being trained as leaders. But, um, so to me, hearing you break that down is it not only impresses me, but, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to insert one of my own words. It's, it's, I, I like the fact without using the word, and you can tell me, Rob, not really, I, you got that one wrong, but it sounds like there's an element of inspiration in there that a leader, listen, we're going to get you to, to go from point A to point B, but my job is to inspire that move. Um, and I, if you think about it, it's almost the litmus test for leadership leaders. Who were your bad managers? I'm not naming any names. I only had one, but I can tell you mm-hmm. right now not an inspirational person, okay? We, there yes. was no, come on, let's do it. It was get over there and get it done. And, uh, so I like that part that, you know, what I'm hearing you um, within that, that there's a, an element of inspiration. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, you got that right. And you see, uh, what is fantastic about uh, this job of, of, of coaching people in leadership behavior is the story you just mentioned from your dad, which is a yeah. super nice story. It's 50 years ago yeah. and you still have it as a core experience in your heart. Yes. And it, it, it's, it's, it, you can still use it as, a, as, a, as something that inspires you yeah. half a century later. Yeah. That's that's the power of good leadership.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So really good uh, yeah, yeah. I wish you hadn't outed the fifty years, but yes, it's been a while. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> All right. Uh, you were now going to get into the process side of this uh, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix principle. So let's let's hear you. This this is the the trick for for you on a podcast. Let's hear that process and see if you can get that out to us in a couple in a minute or two. Okay. Okay. So floor is yours.
1: I'll give it a shot. So the the first step is actually that you develop your personal, uh, uh, leadership style. You take those different roles and you, you, you think about the core activities in those roles and how, how you want to, how you want to fulfill them being authentic with your personality. Then the second step is you have to look in the mirror and you have to see the person that looks back, which means you do, uh, The best way to do it is a 360 leadership assessment Mm -hmm. so that you ask your boss, your peers, your employees, maybe your colleagues, your friends, your wife, or your husband, whatever, and ask them for feedback.
0: So often when we seek feedback, um, people who are either untrained or don't know think that, oh, you want me to tell you five things that I didn't like, 10 things that I didn't like about what you just did. And it's just, not only is it psychologically valuable, emotionally valuable, but it's actually productive and valuable to get balanced feedback. Tell me a few things I'm doing well. There's a good chance I don't know I'm even doing that. Mm-hmm. Tell me, don't I don't need 10. Tell me two or three of the biggest things that you'd suggest that I could learn so that I can implement and and come up with an idea to actually fix this thing. But it's not enough just to ask for feedback. And I like the way you couch that of kind of both sides of that spectrum mm-hmm. back nice.
1: to you. And the super hard part is the super hard part in this second step is the more successful you are doing your career, the less the less you can you actually are open to feedback because you look back on your successes and you and you see your behavior and then you conclude oh I'm success I'm successful because of my behavior. But you can, you can be successful in spite of having a bad behavior. There's a the correlation, but not the causality. So the, the higher you are also in leadership position, the, the, the harder is it actually to get real feedback. That's why I sometimes include husbands and wives because <laughs> normally they give it straight to you.
0: <laughs> well, is it is it harder because people feel intimidated to give you feedback because you're at that level? Or is it harder because that person at that level doesn't want the feedback?
1: Oh, well, it's an easy one. No, you have nothing, you have nothing to gain as, as an employee to criticize your boss.
0: Oh, okay. So, so that's, that's the,
1: not because the boss is rejecting
0: it. I got it. I,
1: because if you if the boss takes it well, fair enough, but if he doesn't, well, then you run into the risk to uh, to repercussions huh? so um yeah, whatever
0: that and I asked be. you that question because I was almost going to take you to task on this was an area we were going to disagree on. We're not now, but what I found not average and it doesn't that's not necessarily um, just for leadership people, but successful people, truly successful people are usually very interested in feedback. That's how they got successful. So in, in what you're hearing, I think it's interesting to hear it from your perspective, Patrick, is that here we have successful people who are successful, typically for a reason, because they're always trying to improve, they're always looking for anything they can learn from. And unfortunately, here we are the, the lower level people going, I don't want to upset the boss. So I go back to I think if we balance our feedback to this individual, not only would that individual mm-hmm. be happy, but we might be a little safer. Maybe your your mm-hmm. thoughts. You're the you're the author.
1: Well, during those one, that was roughly 100 interviews. I asked those top executives to give them a, 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 a rating between one and ten for their leadership behavior. And if it was not a ten, I asked them what would be the difference. That what could you make that you give yourself a ten. And the fascinating uh, thing was it uh, was probably the, the the first person to ask directly that question to them for about 20 years. So they were kind of like surprised.
0: Well, I have to rate myself. Yeah. Of that hundred, r- did anybody say I'm a 10?
1: Yeah, <laughs> of course. Got Not many 10. much. Yeah. Uh, okay. Th- that okay. was one finding. Normally, yeah. the, the average was between a seven and the eight. Okay. Fascinating was that um, uh, female leaders, they rate themselves like two points lower on a scale from one to 10 on average. They're more critical to
0: themselves. All right. Um, There were a couple more behaviors then we'll begin to wrap up because I had to jump in on that feedback. So uh, let me let you finish up on those process moves.
1: Okay, and the process quickly, then once you got the feedback, you decide which leadership behavior you want to improve. Mm-hmm. Normally, you take one or two behaviors. That is already hard, hard, hard. Mm-hmm. And then you, you start a process where you actually turn to your employees and say, um, hello, guys. Uh, my name is Rob. No, my name is Patrick. Um, I want to I wanna improve my leadership behavior. And, and, and it's all about delegation. Mm-hmm. I had this feedback that I'm not doing this right. So I need your ideas, how I can improve. So you, you, you take the ideas from your employees, you, you write them down, you, you build an action plan. You try to do this for a month. You go again to your employees for kind of like a feed forward, not a feedback. You get new ideas, you try them out for a month. And so you're constantly improving. And every quarter you, you, you ask them for, for a feedback. Uh, Did I improve? yes or no, and and, and by how much. So if you're disciplined enough to to do this for, let's say, between 6 and 12 months, then you actually are able to to change your behavior because those new habits will, will, will will form, this new behavior will become habits. So you can do them unconsciously.
0: You know, there's, we can entertain, we can inspire, we can motivate people, but I love when somebody like you comes forward with a real process and not only lays it out there, but then begins to lay into that process, uh, the same philosophy, meaning I'm really happy that you might enjoy this read. Now, how are you going to implement what you just read and you know, what, what are your next steps? So I I think that's cool that that's part of your process.
1: Yeah, and also in the book, you find a bunch of checklists and uh, kind of everything you need actually to do it, to do it. That's uh, excellent.
0: All right. Well, now speaking of feedback, um, the book's been out for how long now?
1: Uh, Since mid-August.
0: Okay. So what kind of feedback are you getting?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Feedback is fantastic. It's kind of like overwhelming. Um, I actually, uh, because what I did, I mean, it's also a little bit the marketing gag, huh? interviewing 100 top executives because they all get the book and the visit from me for free. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you had already a bunch of them really reading the book yeah. and coming up with a surprising good feedback saying, hey, it's a book about leadership. But well, actually, it was quite entertaining. The story about York. In some ways, I recognize myself. So that is, that is fantastic. And even my my professor at university, which is now eighty two years old, he, he, he did a post on LinkedIn how much he liked the book, and he said Mr. Freudiger should have turned up with his PhD thesis thirty years ago. Now he sends me a book.
0: That's <laughs> funny. He, he remembers too. Really huh? funny. Yeah. Okay. Of course. <laughs> now i I've, I've got a collector's item as far as I'm concerned, okay? (laughs) When do I get my English version so I can read it? Is your publisher actively seeking out uh, an American version?
1: My publisher, uh, Wiley, is actually an American company. So I signed a typical American contract. So I think I don't have any intellectual property rights anymore on the book. (laughs) But um, so no clue. But I think if it sells well, then, of course, they will do an English version.
0: Good. uh and I'll, I'll try and put a good word in for you because wiley is <laughs> one of my publishers too so I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know the people at wiley we'll see if we can't get a an english version going here uh now last question because i i want people to be able to get a hold of you um uh, and so maybe it's not the book maybe it's consulting maybe it's coaching how do they um how, how would somebody get a hold of you
1: uh, the, the simplest way is to, to, to seek out for me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's Patrick with CK Freudiger. Hmm? Spell, that that like,
0: Spell that Freudiger.
1: That's F-R-E-U-D-I-G-E-R. Good. Freudiger. And, and then they'll find me. And of course, there's also the website uh, www.freudiger.coach. Uh, where they can find me and um also if they just google the name because i i uh won this award uh in, in 2016 there's still a lot of a lot of praise and a lot of pictures out there so they will stumble over me that's uh, all right
0: yeah. you weaseled that award back into the podcast i'm impressed with <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> wasn't once enough do you have to rub it into me okay yeah, yeah. uh no that's something to be really proud of and i do remember we probably hadn't spoken in a year or so and i got a i got something from linkedin on you going hey rob take a look so uh, it's something to be very proud of yeah
1: just just one thing the idea actually of of using the book as a marketing instrument that was you that planted that in my head huh like eight years ago, I never forgot about it. It just had kind of like, as you said, the book finds you, I had to find the time to do it. Right. But so you can take credit for that one as well.
0: And credit. I will, we'll, we'll call this podcast, Rob Jollis and some other guy uh, <laughs> no, can't take that much. credit. Well, I'm, I, I have to tell you, and I, and I hope you understand. I say this from my heart. I'm proud of you. I speak to a lot of people as you will now, as you're now part of the author club, who are going to tell you i've got this dream i want to do it and i'm mm-hmm. thinking about doing it and first thing we're going to do is welcome them with open arms and then what we're going to do is figuratively speaking hand them a shovel and say there's wanting it and then there's taking this <laughs> shovel and digging that hole putting you know, one word after another right and you did it you did it you got the book mm-hmm. written
1: absolutely i'm welcome also i more. have to say i'm also a little bit proud of me but it's kind of like Yeah, well, it's 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 like with every. It was kind of like also a little bit COVID, huh? With every crisis, uh, when you look at it with the right attitude, you something positive comes out of it.
0: And that's a great attitude to have. And uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, my adopted dog right behind me. Um, You know, the shelters here in the in the U.S. are are doing very well now. There's a lot (laughs) of dogs and cats, strays, got (laughs) adopted during the pandemic. So there's been there's always there are different stories and and one story that I think is really beautiful about you is you took that opportunity and said okay so this part of the business is going that way I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna pursue this part of the dream I, I think it'd be a shame if we couldn't we none of us didn't know what was the duration of this and how but if we could all go back it would have been a nice time to uh, mm-hmm. to do something like that uh, I, I you read you read my blog articles from time to time. I, I, I wrote do. a blog article I'm very proud of uh, called uh, it's shelf building time. And mm-hmm. I wrote that a year ago, March. So right when the pandemic was starting about my dad, who would, when things were slow, he'd come home and he'd build shelves yeah. and, uh, and it got his mind going and it got him off of what was mm-hmm. going there and made him more productive. And then he was ready to attack uh, the world again. So I think that was your shelf building. you got yourself a book.
1: absolutely, yeah. And
0: uh, congratulations to you. I've had, it's been a thrill just talking to you again, because we've exchanged LinkedIn's here and there, but we really haven't gotten on screen. So mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to have caught up with you. And I hope my audience is, is, is as happy as I am in terms of just hearing from an old friend who did good. You did good, Patrick. You're, you're, you're in the club, my <laughs> man. Now I don't want to, yep. I got to tell you, one guy told me one time, he said, uh, when you write a book, you're an author, when you write two, you're a writer. So so, uh, the writer club is right around the corner for you, but we'll, we'll hold a seat for you. Anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Been an absolute pleasure. Well,
1: the pressure is absolutely mine. It was fantastic opportunity for me. Even it's a little bit late in the evening, um, but still fantastic. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm really very grateful.
0: Well, I'm grateful to have you as a friend. And I'm grateful for that cup of coffee because you sounded like uh, <laughs> it was right in the middle of the day there. You did great. Folks, we'll do Thank it you. again. And we'll we'll keep working and bringing you some great content like what you heard with Patrick. And stay safe, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.